Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! Yes. I know the human being and science can just peacefully. This was our finest. Hello, welcome to Petri Dish. I'm Nate. I'm Sean. You know, this episode is kind of a continuation of our last episode. It's our it's also our last episode on race and science. Uh, once we're done with these episodes, there's no more racism in science. We've, we've explicated and solved all of it. Great. This episode is on IQ. Yes, and it, it should be pretty juicy. Uh, I think everyone should go back to the one that we released on Monday on racist experiments just to get an idea because this really is an episode that we recorded all at the same time, but it was just way too long. So, you know, so we, we broke it into two for a uh, Friday release. Uh, but yeah, IQ stuff in science. Let's get into it. Listen carefully. (laughs) Guys, welcome back to Petri Dish. Now we're going to talk about something that makes us so mad. (laughs) Last episode, we talked a little bit about this shit book (laughs) that shit people bring up all the time called The Bell Curve. That was basically like, oh, look at us, we're two racist crackerjack, <laughs> mad, fucking ignorant sons of bitches who just think that anyone who's not white is a son of a bitch. <laughs> wow. <Yeah. laughs> Jimmy Coconut's coming in. <laughs> All right. Ah! Yeah. Bell curve, neo-eugenic, neo-social Darwinism. As Sean says in the notes, neo's not even really a good word for this because eugenics and social Darwinism never stopped being popular. Right. Boy, I mean, honestly, having that thought sink in, really disturbing. You know what I mean? There's people out there right now that will proudly say that they are a eugenicist. And uh, Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There are people out there that that will be like, look, not all eugenicists are the same. Okay? Yeah. There's like bad eugenicists, and then there's good eugenicists. I shouldn't be surprised. (laughs) Some people openly like the show Psych. So, I mean... Oh, you're so naughty. No, don't do it. I like Psych. Oh, you're so mean. Oh, that's the harshest thing you've done on this fucking podcast. And you did it right in a bit about IQ? Yeah, We are fucked. Okay. Uh, So, look. (laughs) There are a lot of papers over the past 20 years that have eugenicist ideas, social Darwinist ideas, and a lot of them lean really heavily on IQ as their way of getting to something about race or, like, how you should value people. Right. IQ is that bridge to a beautiful racist idea. So what the fuck is IQ, man? Right. Because intelligence doesn't make any sense to me. Because, like, I know some guys who are really smart, quote-unquote, and, like, they can't fix a shower head. Sure. I know some other guys who are really good at math. Virgins. <laughs> <laughs> I know me. I'm like so sexual. Yeah. And I've got such a good mouth. Yeah. And like, dude, I can barely add. Like, I That's feel like I don't even try to. I, I try to not even use the term intelligence anymore because I feel like people have skills. But like, there's so many different things people can be good at. Like, Flowers for Algernon. That guy, 
great janitor. <laughs> Why are we making fun of him for being dumb? Right. Good question. So IQ stands for intelligence quotient, or at least it's from German. So the German... See, wow. That's already a bad start. <laughs> the German word for intelligence quotient, which is intelligence quotient. <laughs> so pretty straightforward. Wow. See, look at that. We just decided to listen to some Nazis, and now we have to listen to IQ reports. All right, all right, but hold on. Before the Nazis. <laughs> this, this is pre-Nazis. This term was coined by the German psychologist William Stern in 1912. Well, 1912 is still before something bad, too. <laughs> <laughs> William Stern was one of these guys. You're doing great. <laughs> he was developing these standardized quantitative tests for intelligence, along with a dude named Alfred Binet and a guy named Theodore Simon. Or Simon or something like that. I think, I think, it's, I think it's So French. they're French, so... Yeah. Yeah, two yeah. French dudes and this German guy. Okay, and so, so they were all Stern, trying to make these tests. Simon and Bidet, they're making these tests. <laughs> and what do they do with them? Beignet. No, Benet. <laughs> these dudes running around, they wanted to have these tests, although measuring stuff to try to have numbers related to intelligence was, of course, not new, right? By 1912, we had already been trying to do this for a while, including right. Francis Galton. Right? Our buddy from the last episode. Racists really cared about intelligence because it was one of the metrics by which they decided that white people were better than other people. Right. So, Except Asians, but Asians are mendacious. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so Francis Galton was like, all right, I got to measure all y'all's skull size and hand grip strength and figure out how that relates to intelligence. Right. Because of some reason. I mean, I think what we've decided is that a lot of these guys were like less scientific than they thought. Well, Galton eventually gave up. Right. He was like, wait a minute. Because it wasn't working. Right. And his was hand like, was weak. He was like, we he's just, like, am I an idiot? He's like, we just don't have the tools to figure it out. Wow. <laughs> so <laughs> 1905 rolls around. Someday when man progresses and we invent iPhones, we will know hand grip strength and know intelligence. So Benet and Simon put out a test called the Benet-Simon test which involves a range of activities like following a moving light or judging which drawing is prettier between like a shady drawing and a good one. See, that sounds really loaded. Because like, I know France made a lot of bad paintings at that point. <laughs> it's like a lot of like Favis paintings. Well, so the idea was they were doing this on kids. <laughs> on kids. They were showing any normal child some shit ass Matisse painting <laughs> and then like a good painting. And we're like, <laughs> which is better? And anyone who's not French was like, well, I think the painting that's not shit is better. <laughs> and they're like, look at that dumb child. <laughs> Fuck that kid. Matisse is good. So I've, <laughs> I've seen the sketches and usually it's like between a realistic sketch and then one that's like distorted somehow. Okay. Right? And okay. the idea is that kids of a certain age will not really distinguish between the two as far as like being able to judge what's good or not. Like that right. basically didn't mean anything to kids below a certain age. Because of the innocence of childhood. Yeah, sure. No, I mean, well, kind of, right? Like yeah. it's a weird normative judgment. It has right. nothing to do with intelligence, obviously. Right. So basically they were doing this test on like six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds, and they would figure out, you know, like what sorts of questions most six-year-olds could get and most seven-year-olds could get. And what they were trying to do was figure out some kind of scaling for what you'd say a neurotypical standard mental age was. So like if you're an average six-year-old, what can you do? What kinds of questions can you answer right? Right. Which we later figured out with crow experiments, right? Like kids and cookie jars, man? I don't well, know. I mean, so basically there is a lot of science now about mental age in kids and stuff like sure. that. Sure. Right? Like the developmental processes. But guys, this is 1912. We know they're going to fuck it up. <laughs> well, so this a was lot all, of absinthe in France at the time. This was done on French kids. 
of all stripes. They were just trying to figure some stuff out about some French kids. Low IQ population. Well, <laughs> they wanted... Kidding. Just kidding. They wanted to be able to have, like, an individual person get tested, compare that to their biological age, and see how that compared to the rest of the population. Right. So it's like, all right, you got this test score. You are six years old. And you're dumb as shit. And you don't compare very well to other six-year-olds. <laughs> you're dumb fuck. <laughs> Before you continue. Yeah. Matisse is great. Renoir <laughs> is the only shit French painter. Renoir is shit. Oh, God. Which is funny because his son's a very good director. What? Yeah, Jean Renoir is a great director. <sighs> the, his dad is shit. What are we doing? Okay, what keep, are we doing? <laughs> no, keep going, keep going. Don't let me stop you. I can't believe we paused the episode <laughs> so that you could like no smooth over your art opinions. Stacy's gonna edit it so that I say that after the art stuff earlier. All right, it's all good. This, all of this stuff was done because the French government wanted to figure out a way to find students that needed to be targeted for remedial classes to help them keep up in school. That's very progressive. Yeah, so, I mean, from, from they that did, perspective... they did ice pick lobotomies in <laughs> quote-unquote remedial French class, didn't they? So, Stern, the German, right, came along. He had his own test. But the quotient part of the intelligence quotient was something that he was really involved in pioneering. Okay, yeah. Which was, he basically divided the mental age divided by their biological age. So, okay. if if you passed a test like you were 10 years old, but you're actually only 6 years old... You're really you're, fucking smart. Then your IQ would be very high. Right. Because your mental age is a bigger number than your biological age. Right. Donald Trump does great by that metric. Right? Like Donald Trump, you give him a you give him a ten year old test, he's flying colors. <laughs> <laughs> that is, of course, the opposite direction of how those numbers work. But yeah. Does a six year old test. <laughs> <laughs> so um and then a lot of times that quotient was multiplied by 100. So if your biological age is the same as your mental age, you'd have an IQ of 100. So 100 was just kind of like you're right in the standard of the pack. You're right where you want to be. Now, since then, this has been fitted to standard curves and standard deviations and stuff like that. So every 15 IQ points in either direction is a standard deviation. So that means 68% of people are between... An 85 and a 115 IQ. What's your IQ? I don't know. I don't think I've ever been tested for IQ. I haven't been tested, but I can feel my IQ. Oh, yeah? What you yeah. got? What you got, girl? 85. <laughs> <laughs> right on the curve. I'm right on there, baby. I just barely made it. I'm clinging on. Okay. All three of these dudes. Stern. What? Clinging on to cling on. Is such a great rom-com idea. <laughs> it's about Trekkies <laughs> who fall in love. How are you doing this? <laughs> clinging on to cling on. You haven't had enough alcohol to be like this. I have. <laughs> <laughs> Were you drinking before I got here? No. <laughs> okay, anyway. <laughs> All right. impossible. All right. All three of these dudes, Stern, uh, Simon, Binet, they all said repeatedly that they considered intelligence to be much more complicated than what could be captured on any quantitative test. Well, that's kind of a nice change of pace. Yes. All three of these dudes were like, listen, we're making this test so we can measure something that we can use meaningfully to, like, help figure out what kids need more education. Right, like a super targeted thing for education policy. Right. With intrinsic flaws. Right. And then some, I don't know, we'll talk about it, but probably some American eugenicist was like, wait a minute, though. <laughs> this explains why my kids get to go to schools and not Jews. That, that's a right. beautiful segue. Right. That's a beautiful segue because literally three years later, 
There is an American racist and eugenicist, Henry Goddard. I want to say I actually literally forgot that in the notes. <laughs> History is so predictable in this particular moment in time. Yes. So he was like, oh, wait. Great, you guys, you put out a test for intelligence. Nailed it. Now we can use this for eugenicist shit. Poor Simon and Beignet were just like, ah, fuck. Yeah, yeah. They were like, please don't. And he was like, no, listen. Intelligence, definitely 100% hereditary. And lower intelligence people should be purged from society in the gene pool. Can you imagine being those two French guys and just like reading that paper? And at first you're like, oh, wow, we got sighted. You're reading it and you're like, whoa. It's like when a show gets progressively worse by the end of the season. You're just like, holy fuck. Like, why did why did the dragon burn the throne? Yeah, yeah. we need more wine. Yeah, they were definitely bummed. So... IQ in the United States. Take a nap, then fire the missiles. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Someone somewhere knows what we're yes, talking about. Yes. Pretty much the exact introduction of IQ in the United States, it was already being used to weed people out. It is kind of disturbing to think, like, because sometimes we think about America as racist vis-a-vis, like, broader Western civilization. And then there are other times where you're like, oh, we were the most racist. Mm-hmm. And IQ is a good example. IQ was like a very limited idea developed for practical reasons by Europeans. And then America was like, yes. we, we filmed Birth of a Nation, Woodrow Wilson banned black people from the White House, and we stole IQ and made it terrible. Yeah, we used it to forcibly sterilize like 60,000 people before World War II. 60,000 people. Yeah, you actually mentioned this last episode. Buck v. Bell was the Supreme Court decision. The Supreme Court. They were like, hey, look, if people have a low enough IQ, the government has like a duty to sterilize. Right. Like Brett Kavanaugh and and, uh, Alito and Gorsuch. Gorsuch was like, I don't want to sterilize people, but my faith demands that we sterilize them. (laughs) Roberts was like, well, we just have to listen to precedent and sterilize them. (laughs) Like the original text of the law says you must sterilize. That's the original intent of the Constitution. I mean, it is disturbing that this old... Supreme Court decision has never been overturned. Right. right. You know, and actually, I just like should talk about conservatives. But of course, it was a lot of it was a progressive group on the court, you know, because conservatives, I think, would be like, I'm not sure if the law says we sterilize. And then progressives on the court, like Oliver Wendell Holmes, if I remember correctly, he was like, well, sometimes you got to bend the law to make society better. So let's sterilize some people. And you're like, ooh, yes. Oh, progressivism in that time period. Definitely a lot of eugenicist buy-in. There's a couple things, I think, with progressivism. Sometimes we got to be like, let's think about the type of progress we're doing. And, you know, nowadays it's like, dude, let's tear down the statues. But back then it was like, let's sterilize people. And it's like, whoa. Yes. It's kind of interesting because it's like, what do you have when you have progressivism without any diversity? Right? If you have progressivism that's only rich white Boston Brahmins, mm-hmm. okay, well, sometimes you're going to sterilize some people. Yes. Right? Like, it's part of the value of having, like, a multicultural coalition that is progressive is that you're less likely to sterilize people. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, hopefully anyway. I mean, like us. We're multicultural. You're 12% Japanese. I'm Native American. (laughs) And together we make Petri Dish strong. Holy shit, dude. How far... Do you have any idea how long you've been rambling about shit? (laughs) Oh, my God. Anyway, Like a minute. Look... At some point, uh, I don't super want to do this, but I think we should probably have an episode more about like heritability and biological things relating to intelligence and you know like what what uh. what real science there is about intelligence and genetics. Are you telling me intelligence is inheritable? Aspects of it. 
Right. Okay. Um, to the extent that we get intelligence, right? Like, because there's there's always this definitional issue, but whatever. Anyway, point is, whatever is measured by IQ, some chunk of that is heritable. Okay. Or it has heritability, which means that something uh, twenty to seventy five percent of the variability in IQ within one population can be attributed to variation in genetic information. Twenty to seventy five percent sounds like a big gap. Yes, that's because they've measured different populations and kind of depending on what group you're grouping together as a population, there's more or less of the difference in IQ explained by genetic variability. That sounds problematic. Well, yeah, there's a lot of problems with IQ. (laughs) But the point is that whatever IQ measures, it is definitely measuring something that is a mix of environmental and genetic factors. That there's... No doubt about that. Okay, so IQ, invented by Europeans, appropriated by racist eugenicists, sterilizes 60,000 people. Well, I mean, luckily we tossed it out. No one talks about IQ ever anymore. (laughs) Well, I mean, let's take a break. And then when we come back, we can talk about all the problems with modern IQ. The following is an actual advertisement. Have you ever been reading through a sack of comics and thought, Maybe I should see what the Sarkham Asylum game is all about. Or been playing Marvel vs. Capcom and felt like you were at a real disadvantage since you didn't know who half the characters were. Well, Play Comics is the show for you. I'm Chris, and each episode we take a look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that source material. So whether you know the comics and want to know how all these games work, or you know the games and want to find out where all this craziness came from, go check out Play Comics at playcomics.com or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. So modern IQ, which definitely exists, fucking gets used all the time, largely purports to measure something called the G. Ooh, the G. Or general factor. Sexy. Okay, and this was coined in 1904, (laughs) a long time ago, by Charles Spearman. Mm. And Charles Spearman used it to describe a kind of intelligence thing that underlies success at cognitive tasks. That's about as good as the definition gets. That's a bad definition. Success at cognitive tasks. And within or under G, there are like a bunch of these kind of like categories. There's fluid intelligence, which is the ability to reason. Like knowing when you pour water, if you actually get a gallon (laughs) or not. (laughs) No, although I wish I had that. that. (laughs) It's like, how much is a cup? Um, (laughs) Broad ability to reason and form concepts under unfamiliar circumstances. So you're put into a new kind of situation, being able to reason and form concepts. Right. Crystallized intelligence is the breadth and depth of a person's acquired knowledge. So like, did you memorize shit in biology class? Dude, all these words just sound like a bunch of humanities crap. (laughs) (laughs) Quantitative reasoning. So can you do math? Reading and writing, short-term memory, long-term memory storage and retrieval, visual processing, auditory processing, processing speed, decision and reaction time and speed, right? Like, that's a lot of shit. That's like pretty much all, that's like a lot of the ways that your brain works at all, right? I think I took one of these when I was like nine, if they want to see about ADD, and the doctor was just, to mom and dad, were like, he's a very special boy. (laughs) (laughs) You should watch Wes Anderson films. (laughs) He'll he'll really like those. So there's a lot of different IQ tests. Not all the IQ tests test all the things that I listed. Some of the modern tests are like the... uh, uh, Weschler Weschler intelligence test sounds like a racist <laughs> so the Stanford Binet intelligence scales mm, Binet's okay Stanford's racist <laughs> Raven's progressive matrices the armed listen forces listen to our Raven episode oh yeah yeah uh, 
armed forces qualification test. Super racist. <laughs> that's just for the army. <laughs> um, yeah. But I'm controversial. That's, but that's actually the case is that there was an right. IQ test to be in the army. Yeah, I mean, because the army actually, like, really takes that shit seriously. Because, yeah. like, fighter pilots? If you're dumb, they don't let you in a plane. Well, so, I mean, th- this is not a joke. Legitimately, they had a cutoff for IQ. And they tested out lowering that cutoff. And found that people that were lower than that cutoff took longer to train in basic training. And they're like, oh, it's not worth it. Interesting. So, like, it's not like wow, IQ never measures anything. that's pretty dumb, though. Like, like your IQ's two, right? <laughs> like, can't do sit-ups? Uh, it, it would, like, take them longer, you know, to do all kinds of... I mean, I have never been in basic training. You know, very so. embarrassingly, that's actually why Donald Trump couldn't join the military. <laughs> he says it's bone spurs. It's because he scored, like, three on the intelligence test. And they're like, we can't train this idiot! Send him home! You know? Like, we'll waste too much taxpayer money training this fucking moron! So <laughs> Donald cried all the way up. He's like, "Mommy, I was too stupid to go to Nam." So look, whatever goes into IQ, whatever it actually measures, and whatever genetic stuff is behind IQ, all of that, it is often used to place one group of people above another group of people. Right. Right. Maybe in a very limited sense, IQ does have value, although it's so hard to know what we're actually measuring. Right. But usually, it's just some racist-ass shit. Yeah. And, you know, there was a... There's like a really recent study that came out that was looking at IQs of different populations across the world. Oh, my God, what a nightmare. And so, you know, the study comes out, and one of the chunks of data that it's using is from an older study and that older study a lot of people were like hey this study sucks and yet still it's getting cited and the data is still getting used give me names i don't i don't remember the people's names i don't remember the names of the studies but one of the examples of something that the study says is like oh this particular tribe in africa their average iq is 75 <laughs> and 75 <laughs> is below a certain level where you would consider a lot of their population to not be able to take care of themselves. Right, and the study that they based that on was actually just the script for The Gods Must Be Crazy. (laughs) Well, it's just... (laughs) So people reading that study were like, this cannot be true because they have a functioning society of people (laughs) that go around and successfully live. Right. How can they be... 75 would be like everybody needs a lot can't of take help. care of themselves right right 75 is pretty low and so that it literally could not be the case and when they look into it they're like oh there's all kinds of reasons they did not perform well on this iq test right it wasn't explained properly in some cases it wasn't in their main language that they use right for some groups of people for some populations out there even things like flashcards with shapes on them are not the kind of test they're used to evaluating right there's all kinds of now studies in trying to understand how there's diversity in human thought. Right. Where a maze, like being able to draw through a maze, you know what I mean? Um, like on the back of a cereal carton. Or yeah, something, right? sure. Yeah. So, You're pretty old, Sean. Yes. I don't know what a cereal carton is. I don't even think it's a carton. I know what a box. I know cereal what a, box. Yeah, I know what an eye box is <laughs> filled with ice. Well, cereal. anyway, you know, like a little maze to like go through, yeah, right? Yeah, sure. Okay, yeah. Um, you had me run one of those. Th- there's a, a group of people for which they cannot really do mazes unless they've been trained on them for a while because they don't recognize solid lines as being walls. 
Oh, sure, yeah, that's kind of... Because why the fuck would it be a wall? Right, Unless, that's Unless, like, at some point you got introduced to the idea that, like, oh, those things are walls. Right, it's kind of... It, I mean, that's interesting. It's a representation, of course. Right. Right, that makes a lot of sense. And so, like, simply, you have to train them for a little while and, like, really get them going on it and usually give them something that they want to convince them this is worth their time. Yeah, unless you're mad racist <laughs> and you, like, want them to just be bad. Right. So you can be like, well, look at them, they're dumb. I mean, like, look, just a, a really simple example of, like, hey, this is what IQ is like. When you pay people more money to take the IQ test, they score better. Yeah. Okay? People score a higher IQ if you pay them more. Because otherwise, I mean, not to make fun of the scientists who do this, because I mostly just hate them, <laughs> but um, I actually do think I did one as a kid, and it's just like the most, bo it's like worse than Sudokus. They're like, sure. they're lame and they seem like stupid crap. Right. Like, when you're doing them, you're just like, oh my god, I hope this guy's getting off, because I'm not getting off. <laughs> you know? Like, you yeah. can see how, like, a grown-ass adult being told to, like, trace a line through a maze, I would troll the fuck out of that scientist. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. I'm slipping off the topic of IQ. That's we'll, all right, we'll, baby. We'll kind of move on hey, from it slip. to finish. But one of the things that I thought was really interesting when I was looking into this stuff, IQ and otherwise, is that a lot of tests think that they are testing something, and they just really didn't finish thinking it all the way through. Right. Okay? There's a really famous test, um, and I might not get the details of this test right, but it's called the marshmallow test. And it's supposed to be able... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, wasn't right. that just a K-pop song? I don't know. Just like... The marshmallow test. Yeah. <laughs> Sean, um, don't shake like that. Ooh, the marshmallow test. Stop it. That all distracts right. me. All right. Look. Uh, so Jimin. what this was is it's a test for kids to test, I think, impulse control and the ability to defer gratification. So the idea is you put a marshmallow out and you're like, if you don't eat this marshmallow for five minutes, I will give you like five marshmallows then. Okay. Okay. So you just need to wait and not eat it. All right. And then some kids would wait the five minutes just fine. Be like, hey, cool. And then some kids like after a minute would just eat the marshmallow. And right? then me, I took it and I was like, I took it immediately because I was like, this guy works for the CIA. If they don't like, they're just not going to give me five at the end of this. I, I, just I can't it. believe you're doing this, but that is literally what I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. is, is that what they did not account for in some of those initial experiments was that there are some people who come from environments where they've learned not to trust people when they say something's going to happen in the future. Right. Where it's like, oh, just do this thing and then tomorrow I'll get you that thing. Yeah. And they've learned correctly for their environment that that is dumb to do. Right. Right. Get don't, it now. Don't trust strangers about future shit when you could get at least something now. And a lot of these cases, those biases end up involving socioeconomic racist background stuff. Right. That end up creating racist conclusions. Right. So it'll be like, oh, black kids aren't as good at impulse control. Well, really, the black stuff. kid is like, I know this white-ass scientist is going to not give right. me that marshmallow. right. <laughs> They're just being smarter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, they're exercising a little bit of skepticism about this fucking stranger. Right. right? And so that's the kind of shit that like even the people, people inventing the test didn't have to be racist right. and still have come to a racist conclusion. Although by your definition of racism, they're definitely racist, right? Because the, the, the you just definition. think everyone's racist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, I, the, all racist, working towards being anti-racist. Right, 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 right. We're all on the path. Well, except, I mean, all except white people. Okay. <laughs> yeah, white people. <laughs> all right. They're the ones. Uh, I mean, we're, we're white. Not me. That's true. Enough. Yeah. <laughs> in Korea, I'm white. Yeah. Here, I'm Asian. <laughs> but in Korea, I'm white. Well, it depends. In Oklahoma, I'm like the most Japanese guy they've ever seen. 
Here I'm half. Good. People know. People know here. They're like, you're something. Yeah. You got to mix it something. At the airport, a white girl asked if I was Japanese. And that was actually the first time in LA someone didn't think I was Hapa. Oh. Which I was like, I was like, no, I'm actually half Korean. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, anyway, anyway. So. Yeah. Okay. In conclusion, guys. Yeah. The thing is, I think we wish that science was something loftier than people. There's an empirical reality. Yeah. We're trying to study that, and it should be objective. But! Right. We we can't really be. You know what I mean? The way we interface with the world is through ourselves, and we are not objective things. We're subjective. Yeah. And Most we, people, at least. We will always... As a filmmaker, I always see the world through other people's <laughs> shoes. Whoops. I mixed my metaphors. Yeah, that was terrible. <laughs> uh, look, it's just... In that sense... The subjectivity that's a part of us will always taint that kind of pure ideal of empirical separate reality. Right. right. Um, Should we just run away from it then, pretend it doesn't exist, and keep up the monuments? Well, if we've made progress over the past hundred years, it's been progress in understanding that we do have those limitations and we need to watch out for them. Okay? Not all scientists... But more scientists now believe and recognize that they have biases and they need to be on guard. Okay. Right. But look, there is still racism out there. And there are still eugenicists and social Darwinists. There are people who have changed some of the terminology. For example, there are now hereditarians. There are Joe Rogan fans. <laughs> <laughs> but the hereditarians are a group of people who believe that the differences between not necessarily races, they won't say races, They'll say, the differences between groups of people are predominantly determined by genetics. Right. Is what they'll say. Right. Okay. And that school of thought, it wouldn't have been called hereditarians before. Okay. But it is a current and active group of scientists. Yeah. Because that sounds like a dumbass fucking thing from the first draft of Dune. <laughs> like, that sounds so lame that even Frank Herbert was like, nope. That's <laughs> chapter house hereditarian. And he's like, ah, I crumpled up that page. Well, it's just, you know, like, I, so I'm not a hereditarian. I think that the differences between people and groups of people on all kinds of human traits are determined by a mix of genetics and the environment. Right. How can you explain how you're smart and I'm dumb? What? Oh, <laughs> come on. You're cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's why you're ugly and I'm cute. <laughs> but in any case, you know, I think there's a lot of wishy-washiness on, hey, how much environment and how much genetics for right. all the different traits out there. There's, I don't think that you can have an ism on this kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, just like some scientists just for whatever reason want to inject gonorrhea into a person's eyeball every 20 years, some scientists just like want to be racist. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing. It's like hereditarians have this idea about things being mainly genetics, but what's the logical conclusion of believing that the human experience boils down to inherited deterministic factors, right? It's usually eugenics and social Darwinism. Like, that's just, that's the natural path that their own logic brings them down. And you can Google other terms. But what the scientists would say is like, well, I support the truth. Right. I don't know where it leads to. <laughs> that's what you worry about, because you don't care about truth like I do. Right, right. What do you say to them, Sean? That they're not good at getting to the truth. Right. Their science is usually pretty bad. Their, their own vision on the topic taints their, you know, conceived truth. Right. They're ideologues. Right. And they're trying to find an ideological conclusion and they warp their experimental models to validate an ideological conclusion that they already have. Right. But, you know, I mean, the, this comes to some terms like you can look stuff up. Race realism. Gross. Subspeciesism. Okay. These are terms you can Google them. 
you'll find web pages right now, people who are like, yeah, I'm a subspecies. That just made me think of Lord of the Rings Online so bad. And I don't really know why, except maybe the difference between Urukai and other species of orc. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, but subspecies go back to the multi-regional evolution right. of humans. from Back from our first episode on this stuff. Right. So Hundreds should, of years ago. This shit is still shit. around. It's still around. Okay. Yeah. So I think if there's anything that I want people to take away from these episodes that we've done, it's that we always need to be careful. Right. We always need to be thinking as scientists, we always need to be thinking about the ways that our biases can affect how we see the world. And hopefully as just people in general, we can kind of try to bring that to our thoughts and observations about the world because it's still here. It's still here. Science still has racism in it. And it has this entire time. Wait, but before we leave, yep. you got a few people you got to call out. You see these <laughs> names, you know, that's a racist paper. Yeah. So uh, what is this? Hans Eisnick. He was a racist and bad scientist. He died in 1997. Arthur Jensen's a racist and bad scientist. He died in 2012. You see those names quoted? Okay, you're reading a really racist David Brooks article. <laughs> well, just, it's just, Put it down. That's just two examples of old white guys that published a lot of shitty papers and, you know, published them fairly recently. And uh, they get cited by other people, too. And I'm sure Eisnick and Jensen both considered themselves to not be racist. I'm just talking truth, bro. Right. And uh, I think they both reveled in being controversial. Right. Because a lot it. of people were like, hey, you're being racist. And they're like, no. It's, it's like whenever Jordan Pearson's done snorting crack or whatever. <laughs> he's like, ah, this is biologically different. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he just likes being angry at folks. He likes being considered wrong because then he, he gets off on owning the libs. Right. So, you know... I do think scientists should ask questions that are uncomfortable and try to expand the breadth of human knowledge, but they need to have, uh, they need to be humble enough to know that they have their own biases when they're coming to those questions. You're talking fast now. You cut off my own Viagra joke <laughs> <laughs> about uncomfortable questions. <laughs> Why is my dick soft? <laughs> Thank God for science. It saved a lot of people. But yeah, I mean, part of Sean, your evolution as a man is all the hubris and narcissism you had as a youth. You had a big forehead like Rochester. Mm -hmm. And you were like, science is the only way I can dredge myself out of this morass of narcissism. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I will say <laughs> that through the course of getting my PhD and all kinds of stuff, I, I, it's definitely a humbling process for me. I, right. I don't know how anybody comes out of a PhD right. feeling <laughs> feeling more narcissistic. Stephen really Hawking, <laughs> he like went out and like immediately fucked a nurse. Well, it's his legs didn't work. <laughs> it's it's uh, he's like black holes, baby. <laughs> Alright, well, fuck. <laughs> like a Dalek. <laughs> Alright, well, that's that's it, everybody. <laughs> you, do you know Stephen Hawking inspired Daleks? No. Like, literally, as they were designing Daleks, the guy met Stephen Hawking, he saw him at a symposium, and was like, holy shit. And he just, like, literally pitched Stephen Hawking. And they're like, I don't think, I think that's offensive. Is that and then he was like, okay, okay, wait, wait. And he just put a trash can over Stephen Hawking's. And they're like, that's the ticket. And now it's the most recognizable villain in British television. This is like the seventh time you've brought up Stephen Hawking. Like, what is the deal with you and wondering about his dick? You got to calm down about it. I saw a great Earl Morris documentary about him on the Criterion channel. All right. Thank you for listening, everybody, Guys. <laughs> to our three-part series on racism. Holy shit. Hey, if all this stuff gets you down, don't worry. Jill Stein's gonna win. Fuck. <laughs> no, I'm <just> kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> she's still around. Oh, she is? I don't know. Is she? I thought... I like she's been real quiet. I thought third-party candidates died automatically after <laughs> they the just election canceled, they ruined. They just canceled third-party for 2020. <laughs> All right. Thank you to Stacey Song, our sound lord and engineer. Thank you, Brian Allen, for art. <laughs> yes, and uh, Griffin Allen for little cute animations, which... I think he's been avoiding doing for the racism episode, but maybe he'll start doing again when we're like talking about. I bet he has good. such a back catalog of racist <laughs> cartoons. <laughs> no, nah, be careful, Griffin. Just kidding. Yeah, it's a nothing track. gets erased from the internet. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And um, thank you guys for writing reviews, for supporting us, for listening in, even in these dire times. You know, thank you for joining us. Yeah. In this endeavor for truth. Yes. <laughs> Cling on to Klingons. Okay. <laughs> All right, we'll see you, we'll see you all next time. Next time.